Hello, thanks for joining us today. Turning your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 2. Turning your Bibles or devices to 2 Peter chapter 2. We're continuing our series on First uh, and Second Peter. In First Peter, we are called, as Peter reminds us, to stand firm uh, when we have attacks on the outside of the church, that we are uh, being persecuted, that we have trials and tribulations, that we need to stand firm in the gospel and stand uh, for the ways of God, the gospel, and the word. Uh, but in chapter, in Second in Peter, he summarizes or warns to stand for, or encourages to stand firm uh, with attacks on the inside of the church. And today we're going to look at how he tells us to stand firm against false teaching. So if you would, let's begin reading in Second Peter chapter 2, verse 1. We'll read to verse 10, and then we will go to uh, verse 20 to 22. There, we, there were indeed false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, and will bring swift destruction on themselves. Many will follow their depraved ways, and the way of truth will be maligned because of them. They will exploit you in their greed with their made-up story, stories. Their condemnation, pronounced long ago, is not idle, and their destruction does not sleep. For if God didn't spare the angels who sinned but cast them into hell and delivered them in chains of utter darkness to be kept for judgment, and if he didn't spare the ancient world but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness and seven others, when he brought the flood on the world on the ungodly, and if he reduced the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes and condemned them to extinction, making them as an example of what is to come, coming to the ungodly. And if he rescued righteous Lot, distressed by the depraved behavior of the immoral, for as that righteous man lived among them day by day, his righteous soul was tormented by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment especially those who follow the polluting desires of the flesh and despise authority. Behold, arrogant people, they are not afraid to slander the glorious ones. Verse 20, For if having escaped the world's impurity through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in these things and defeated. The last state is worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it, to turn back from the holy command delivered to them. It has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit and a washed sow returns to his wallowing in the mud. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we believe all the word and it's committed to the scriptures. We know even coming to difficult passages that we expect to be taught, to be changed, and be made new. I pray as we read these words, and as difficult as they are, that, Lord, that we, we would be raised up to live according to it, and that we would find assurance and hope within these words. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, if maybe you've ever looked at certain items. There's a lot of kind of weird crazy warning labels and it makes you wonder if the company that made the, the item really just wanted to go above and beyond and covering themselves in liability or did some of these things actually happen for example on a chainsaw 
this warning label says, do not haul the wrong end of the chainsaw. I, I think that's pretty self-explanatory. You don't grab the end that's swirling around with, with uh, blades on it that you don't want to be cut. But, you know, maybe some people need that warning. Another one, this is a, a, a blow dryer. Look at the instructions. Do not use while sleeping. Now, I don't use a hair dryer very often, but <laughs> maybe you do. I don't know the need to wear, use the, the hair dryer in the bed. And then finally, this one is a tractor. The headline, avoid death, which I believe is good advisement to everybody. Uh, let's just avoid death, but it's, it's, it's telling you to put the, the bucket down so that either the tractor doesn't tip over and kill you or the, the bucket falls and kills you. But the main thing is avoid death. Well, I think that's wise. Well, I believe that Second Peter chapter 2 is a warning label that Peter's giving us to avoid death. And we avoid death by rejecting the message of false teachers and by not following them in their ways of ungodliness. Chapter 1 can be summarized in this way, as we've read up to this far, that we have been given the power of godliness through the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we can live, we can live godly lifestyles because we have the power of the Holy Spirit within us. And because we know that the very words of the scripture come from God, we know that the promises of God can enable us and encourage us. And it gives us, as we, we chase godliness, gives us a personal and experiential confirmation of our election and our salvation. In other words, that as we display godliness in our lives, we are uh, uh, confirming or assuring ourselves in our salvation and God's work in our life. But chapter two says, if you reject all these things, if you reject the prophecy, if you reject the scriptures, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and especially if you, if you follow these, these false teachers in ungodliness, then it is leading to destruction in hell. And this is the warning sign. In chapter 2, there are no commands, admonitions. There are no imperatives. It is just a screaming, terrifying description of what happens to believers when they, when they are subjected to and follow false teachers and what they teach and how they live. This reminds me, and remind, should remind us that doctrine and, and teaching um, are no games. This is not games when you gather around for uh, a life group lesson. It's not, it's not light to gather as a Sunday school class. It is not fun and games when you come to, to preaching or to the sermon because uh, if we consider it less or low or, or not important, then we leave ourselves open to not knowing really what the scriptures say, that we could be open, uh, open to false teaching. Uh, it's vital that we know what the Bible says and why it says it and what, what does it mean. Here, may it be clear that Peter's not saying you need to have a, a deep theological degree. You don't need to be able to produce a dissertation or book on the hyperstatic union or some lofty theological term. Basically, Peter is saying, you need to know the gospel. 
You need to be able to articulate and understand the gospel and know what the false gospel is. And you must live a life that is true to the word of God. Peter warns the first century church that we need to be uh, first century church as well as, as, the, as our church. That we need to beware if we follow false teachers or deny God with our lives. Let me ask you today. Could it be that you've fallen prey to false teaching? Maybe because it sounds kind of close or maybe it is kind of good, makes you feel good. Have you fallen prey to false teaching? Have you fallen the the ways of the world into ungodly lifestyle? Well, beware. Be, Be cautious. Be alert. Because we, if you follow the false teaching and follow into ungodliness, gloom and darkness and punishment awaits. So in this passage, I want us to look at four bewares. There are four bewares. The first one is this. Beware false teachers and their impact on you. Beware false teachers and their impact on you. Well, let me remind you of verse 1. There were indeed false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, and will bring swift destruction on themselves. Wherever there is important truth, there is also counterfeits that will be offered. Peter reminds us that even in the Old Testament, when God sent prophets, there were false prophets that arrived to speak a different message. And the same thing Peter is saying that we read in the New Testament, there are false teachers that arrive to preach and teach a false gospel. And Peter even says here to the extent that there will be false teachers, but it's clear from the text the false teachers were already there. Maybe you understand that there might not be false teachers in your church and not in our church, but what about the ideas that are being peddled Uh, across the world through fake gospels you know the first thing that we learn about these false teachers is that they're denying the master that bought them who is the master that bought them well they're denying Jesus Uh, what does that mean well they're denying who Jesus is and what he's done most heresies most false religions you can diagnose the fact that they are false by asking the question, who do you say Jesus is and what has he accomplished for the world? When you compare what the Bible says of who Jesus is, that he is fully the son of God, that he is God in the flesh, that he died on the cross and three days later rose again and is now sitting at the right hand of the Father and those who believe in him, only those who believe in him will be saved. That is the gospel. That is who Jesus is and his work on the cross made that possible for us. But as this most... uh, heresies then are are denying Jesus's personhood and his work and so we must ask that question who and what did Jesus do Galatians 2 4 says this matter arose because some false brothers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus in order to enslave us the danger is is when you trust something other than Jesus it is not saving 
faith. And this might come into your world, not by false teachers, but what is being peddled by the world. Maybe you're a country music star, a country music fan, and that you hear something that is something like God in the song, but you know that what they're saying about God doesn't necessarily mean the God of the Bible or Jesus Christ. They might have a mental ascension that God exists, but, but many times they're, they're saying that, that you can believe in God and then live how you want to live. You see a lot of talking heads on TV. The news loves to bring out somebody who has some sort of Christianity tied to their name, but they're preaching a false gospel. You can even go <clears throat> to Christian channels that have preaching on it all day long, but they are filled with pastors and teachers who preach or teach a false gospel. They're filled with uh, what we know as the prosperity gospel, teachings that say, well, uh, faith determines the outcome. If you have greater faith, then God will then lessen the amount of problems that you go to. The name it and claim it mentality of naming something and hoping and claiming it in faith that it will occur. And a lot of them <clears throat> put that promise or truth into money, that if you would just give this faith or this, if you would show this seed of faith by, by giving money that you will receive blessings in return. That is a dangerous, false gospel. And brothers and sisters, it is concerning because when someone is preaching a false gospel, then souls are in the balance. If they believe a gospel that does not save, they will not be saved. But if they believe in one that is one of faith, then we must believe in Jesus Christ alone. The, therefore, we need to know who these false teachers are. One, we need to hear that Paula White, Benny Hinn, Kenneth Copeland, T.D. Jakes, Joel Osteen, uh, Joel Osteen, these guys are dangerous. They're prosperity peddlers. They equate faith or money in God working. But also there's new age thinking. Uh, transcendent, you can rise above the word of God that it's not just God's word, but you have to get to a mental state where you can hear from other things that you gain a, a greater knowledge. Uh, Sarah Young has produced a lot of books called Jesus Calling. And what she claims is that, yes, we need the God of the Bible and the Jesus of the Bible, but, but we need to raise above it to hear Jesus even outside of the Scripture. Well, this is New Age philosophy repackaged that we can find our, in our emotions or in our ideas that is above Scripture instead of our Scripture above our emotions and ideas. John MacArthur speaks to this when he says, By contrast, truth prophecy does not come to mind through psychic intuition or New Age mysticism. It is not discerned by guesswork. Those who equate their own personal impressions, imaginations, and intuition with divine revelation err greatly. See, brothers and sisters, if we understand the end of chapter 1, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from the prophet's own interpretation, but instead men spoke of God carried on by the Holy Spirit, then we understand that the authority comes from the Bible to our lives, not the opposite. 
In simple terms, those New Age believers, they devalue the Bible and elevate emotional experiences and imaginary voices to above divine authority. And I'll be honest with you today. I'm concerned about how our biblical illiteracy has impacted our lives. It is the fact that we don't know our Bibles or read our Bibles enough to be able to determine what is true and what is false. It baffles my mind that people who understand that by grace alone and faith alone, by Christ alone, can someone be saved, which is the true gospel. And yet they could go to a church that says you need something else or, or more to cross the finish line of salvation. I'd go to a church that says communion saves or gets you closer to heaven. Or that baptism aids. It's, it's either the moment of your salvation or crosses you across the, the finish line. Well, brother and sister, it's faith alone. We believe baptism is an act of obedience and a, and a, and a sign, not the way to get saved. Those who believe that baptism aids in salvation is really faith plus a little bit of water. That's not biblical theology. That's theology from the movie Gremlins. Brothers and sisters, we need to understand that, that there is a false theology that we need to guard ourselves from. So Christian, hear me today. Read your Bible. Know your Bible. Pray your Bible. Think your Bible and live your Bible. And you will be able to stand firm against these false teachings of others. Secondly, beware Beware false teachers who advocate for immorality, that advocate for immorality. Many, uh, verse 2 says, many will follow their depraved ways, and the way of truth will be maligned because of them. Now, I want us to be focused on a word where it says, many will follow their depraved ways. Well, depraved in the original Greek can mean licentiousness, and or sexual immorality. And there were people who were coming into the church that were advocating for people of faith to not live in a moral way. They were basically claiming that because of the free grace that we have received in faith in Jesus Christ, that we have also been freed from the practice of righteousness demanded by God. This is called antinomianism, or it's a repackaging of that. Antinomianism is a big theological word that this belief comes from, saying that, yes, uh, I, my faith in Christ has freed me from the penalty of sin, therefore I can continue to sin without repercussion. Well, first, Peter said that this was happening in, uh, in the church already. Uh, in the first letter of Peter, in chapter 4, it says, for there's already been enough time spent in doing what the Gentiles choose to do, carrying on in unrestrained behavior, evil desires, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and lawless idolatry. They are surprised that you don't join them in the same flood of wild living, and they slander you. Imagine this, that there were people showing up to the churches in the first century saying, hey, it's okay to cheat on your spouse. It's okay to have an open marriage. There were teachers showing up, maybe even to the 
as we read in the Corinthian church that Paul wrote about uh, that when a, a man was sleeping with his father's wife and there were teachers that were showing up to say, it's, that's okay, that's okay. People who were, who were showing up and saying that pornography is okay. Teachers who were saying cohabitation, le- living outside of marriage was okay, that homosexual behavior was okay. A, a, a way to show your freeness. Imagine that happening. Well, brother and sister, we don't really have to imagine it, do we? Because we know that that's happening today. In corners of the world, in corners of Christianity, in corners of the church, in corners of people who call themselves Christians that, that say that we can live however we want to live and still claim the grace of God. But brothers and sisters, that is a a false gospel, a false truth, that, that though that we are saved by faith, it is our desire to then, as the first chapter says, that we are, we are assuring ourselves uh, by our godly living. And the reminder is, is that there is a biblical morality that we are supposed to follow. I like how John Piper puts it, because some, some people would say, oh, this is a you guys are just old-fashioned. You guys have an old-fashioned morality. Well, John Piper observes that, well, no, there's just as much old-fashioned immorality as there is morality. Here we are in the first century, and there's people who are, are, are ascribing to sexual immorality. We could go back further and even look in the Old Testament and see where people were... were uh, encouraging or uh, allowing people to fall into their passions of the flesh. Yes, there is bib- there's old-fashioned morality, but there's just as much old-fashioned immorality. Brothers and sisters, the Bible teaches that when we are bought by Christ, we are freed from the domination of sexual passions. And instead, when we come to Christ, We come to a king and masters whose promises are superior than that of the promises of sex and immorality. That we can escape from the lordship of passion. And when we escape this, this is when we come to exalt Christ and affirm his worth. It is not what values us as how we live passionately, but instead how we live in Christ. But if we live in the grip of sexual domination, we belittle Christ. And just as verse 1 points out, we deny the master who has bought us. Number three, beware. We beware God's divine judgment if you follow false teachers. Beware God's divine judgment if you follow false teachers. I'm not going to read verses 3 through 11, but I'm just going to encapsulate it in this way, that Peter gives sort of a history lesson to remind believers, remind me and you, that if you follow the path of the false teachers, if you deny God, deny Christ, and follow in ungodly ways, that historically speaking, you have no excuse to not understand that your life is heading to destruction and judgment. Three examples. The first one is the angels he gives. The angels we know are special created beings that that inhabit heaven with God and serve at his bidding. And even these special creatures were not given special exemption because some of those angels followed Satan 
instead of God. And what did God do? He kicked them out of heaven and created a place for them to be punished in all of eternity. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25, 41, says that he will also say to those on the left, depart from me, you who are accursed to the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. We have no excuse, no excuse to say that we have an exemption if the angels don't have an exemption. We must follow the God and his word and we must be faithful to it. He goes on to use the next example, Noah and the flood, that, that Noah and seven others, his family, were found righteous, but the rest of the world had turned from God and fallen into immorality. So what did God do? God wiped out the world and covered it with a flood. There's destruction on the end of denying God and denying his word and godliness. And then he finished up with the example of Sodom and Gomorrah, that the false teachers uh, there and the uh, the immorality that had, had flared up and had, had become commonplace in Sodom and Gomorrah, that their fate, their wiping out, their burning out and destruction would be the sign of the future for those who follow that path. Brothers and sisters, this should be, this should be warning flares. Don't get off this exit. The bridge may be out up ahead, but it's further that it's harder than that there's judgment death and hell ahead of you if you follow the paths of the false teachers and of their example of ungodliness beware understand go to the bible hear the gospel and follow god's word number four the final beware beware there is more severe punishment for those who turn back to false teaching over in verse 20, it says, For if, having escaped the world's impurity through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in these things and defeated, the last state is worse for them than the first. For it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after knowing it to turn back from the holy command delivered to them. As it happened to them, according to the true proverb, a dog returns to its own vomit, and a washed sow returns to it wallowing in the mud. There's two things to understand through these verses. First, the principle is, is that the more you know about Christ, the more severe the punishment is and judgment if you turn away from him. Now, Peter is reiterating and confirming what Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, 48, he says, Jesus says, but the one who did not know and did not what deserved punishment will receive a light beating. From everyone who has been given much, much will be required. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, even more will be expected. What Peter is saying is that if you have been saved, what it says, from the world's impurities through faith in Christ, there is a higher expectation, just like if there's a higher expectation to teachers and pastors because they know that, the, the, that people will follow what they do and what they say, that we need to know, uh, know the righteous path, know the true gospel and teach it. There is a higher expectation for Christians to say, if you claim Christ, you can't go back 
uh, to that old life because you are, you are proclaiming or teaching something contrary to Christ, that will come with a severe punishment. But it's also evidence that those who maybe had some outward turn to Christ, who maybe went for a temporal turn to Christ, but if they return to rejecting God and an ungodly lifestyle, that they maybe never was saved to begin with. And that's point number two of this, is Peter is not teaching that God's elect can lose their salvation. You see, people can make outward professions of faith and then turn back to this lifestyle. But what Peter is saying is it's not people, it's not saved people or the elect that has lost their salvation, but it's those who have never been saved returning back to their other lifestyle. Explained by the proverb that is there that a dog returns to his own vomit and maybe one that I better maybe understand or like that a sow or a pig that is cleaned up is still a pig and likes to go return to the mud. Unless there is life change or change to that pig that they do not, they don't go back to that, then they're going to keep going back to the mud. But that's why the power of the gospel is to save. Because when we are saved and born again, truly, as God's elect and God saved, that we, we have a new way of life. We're new creatures we reject the old ways. We have a new way of life. And so we know when things are wrong that we are co- we're convicted of that. And we don't want to stay in that lifestyle. And so we repent and turn the other way. Those who leave the way of righteous never to return simply show that their inner na- nature has never been changed. First John 2, 19 says this. They went out from us, but they did not belong to us. For if they belonged to us, they would have remained with us. However, they went out so that it might made clear that none of them belongs to us. Brothers and sisters, this is clear. That if you're part of the elect, you cannot lose your salvation. Or, or, or verse 10 of chapter 2, uh, of chapter 1 says, Be the more zealous to confirm your call and election. There would be no reason to confirm that calling if you weren't secure in your election to begin with. When we enter eternal kingdom of our Lord and Jesus Christ, our lives should be characterized by people that we are confirming our election by re- revealing it in our lives. So with all those bewares, I want us to end with another B. Number five, be assured there is a rescue from the Redeemer. Be assured there's a rescue from the Redeemer. Even in the midst of this, there is hope. Verse 9 says this, Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials and to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment. What is Peter saying? He's saying even in the midst of all this judgment against the ungodly and the unrighteous, that God is able to rescue And this is good news for us. This is assurance to us that God can rescue. That even in temptation and failure, that God can rescue. It's a reiteration of verse 1 where it says that we have been bought by our master with a price. What did God do to redeem us? 
He redeemed us by paying for our sins at the cost of his own son's life. Jesus came, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, three days later rose again. And those who believe on him repent and turn from their sin and turn to him as master and Lord. We, our sins have been paid for and our lives can be changed. And the assurance and hope that we have is that even when we fail, even when we mess up, if we are believers, then we can never be taken from God's hand. But we, the good news is those of us born again by faith will endure. Matthew 24, 11 through 17. Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many because lawlessness will multiply. The love of many will grow cold but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Good news. Good news. That you endure in Christ as you are following him, even when you trip up, even when you fall over your life. Even in those times, you can endure by following Jesus to the end. And in the end, he is righteous to forgive and give you eternity in heaven. And even more good news for you today. Maybe you've tuned in at the invitation of a friend or that you've just tuned in by happenstance. I don't believe that it's happenstance. I believe God directed you here to hear this. That even if you find yourselves listening to false teachers, even if you find yourself living an ungodly lifestyle, no matter where you find yourself, hear this. If you're far from God, you don't have to stay there. Because God loves you and has made a way to rescue you. He has sacrificed his very son so that you might be saved. I encourage you today, trust in him. Repent and believe. May you be empowered by the gospel to confirm your own salvation. May you be changed and made new. May you be made a child of God that will endure forever with our Father in heaven. Don't stay away, brother or sister. Trust in Christ. You know, many medicines that are good for you are bitter. I remember the first time that I tried Robitussin cough syrup as a child. I thought I was literally going to die. It was so bad. There was allergy medicine. that I I had bad worse allergies than I do now as a child. And this medicine called chlortrometon, I don't know if that's I'm saying it right, but I just remember the taste of it, and I would never choose that over any other thing in the world. It was just, it was bitter. But I know that when I had a bad attack, an hour later, I would be fine. Today's passage may be a bitter passage, and it may be hard to swallow, but just like medicine, all of God's word is good for us. And the great physician knows our need. And maybe today we needed to hear this so that we might be in attention, that we might pay attention, and that we might stand firm against false teaching, that we might dive deeper into God's word instead of what others might say that is false in the world, that we would reject the false teaching that's going on by false teachers and prosperity gospel preachers around the world. 
that we would know that our lives must be living a godly pattern of following the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we should not fall into impurity and immorality. I pray that these scriptures, though they are bitter, that it would increase our earnestness in realizing the full assurance of hope that we have to the end. And that even though we must beware of false teachers, that there is a great hope that we have in Jesus Christ. May we all guard our hearts from false teaching. May we guard our families from false teaching. May we guard our church from false teaching. And may we guard our lives in the assurance of our election and calling. Let me pray for us this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for these words. Help us to stand firm about, against false teaching. Help us to endure to the end. Help us to see the danger of listening to the, the siren call of the world and the false teachings of the culture. And God, I pray that if there's someone who has watched today and have not trusted you and your son, Jesus Christ, for salvation, that they would, by faith alone, trust in you and the work of your son, Jesus, in saving them. And may today be the day of their salvation. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. God bless.